When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Talking City, the Manchester City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm Rich Fay. I'm delighted to say I'm joined again by Stu Brennan. Hello. <laughs> and by Ian Cheeseman. You all right? Premier League champions were back at it again on the weekend, dismantled Swansea at the Etihad. 5 0 emphatic performance of champions. What did you both make of that game? It was a real party atmosphere at the Etihad, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. I wasn't, I wasn't really expecting that. I thought they might be dropping level because, you know, the. They'd had the joy of winning the title earlier in the week. They'd been out partying. And the, the, it's your human nature normally to, to let it drop a little bit. Um, but they obviously decided, well, we're champions. We want to go out and play like champions. They, they didn't win it on the pitch, so they had to go out and put on a performance that showed the country, well, this is exactly why we are the champions. And, and they did exactly that. I thought they were, they were absolutely brilliant again. Pep said uh, some stuff in the pre-match press conference, didn't he, about the, the way to judge his team is how they react now to being the champions and what happens in the final five games. And clearly lots of people within that squad and the coach are looking forward to next season and wanting to maintain that. So to me, it, it showed the performance against Swansea that they're getting the mentality right. Um, or, or at least it indicates that. I mean, there's a little bit of me, I can't deny, in the back of my mind that was thinking, are Swansea just terrible? I mean, that's not to take anything away from City because I thought they were superb. And, and obviously the movement, that probably the, the goal that Raheem Sterling scored illustrated as much as anything was just sensational again. And the temptation is that when the opposition are so easily dismissed that you think, oh, they're just you know, garbage, they just haven't got motivation. But this is a Swansea side that are fighting for their lives in theory. Mm. I mean, I know they look as if they're probably safe, but they're not safe. Um, now, whether or not, again, the way that football is going, that teams in mid-table or lower table, and I heard somebody say just recently that there used to be a group of six at the top, another group of maybe about ten in the middle and about... I don't know how many of that leaves, but four. you know, four is it? Well, you know what I mean. Three, yeah. three pockets really, three yeah. groups of teams, and that now it's just two. You know, there are the six, and then everybody else effectively is in the relegation battle. Now you might say that's a bit uh, disingenuous against a team like Burnley, who've had a great season. Uh, but but I get that, you know, because Burnley next season, you know, could could be involved in a relegation battle. Yeah. I mean, you know, they are on the cusp of it, whereas there are those six, perhaps seven, maybe at the top, who aren't. And Swansea are one of those teams, obviously, in the battle. And do, do the teams now in that other section look at City, look at United, look at Arsenal, perhaps the question mark in this, mm. but Tottenham <laughs> and Liverpool, etc., and go, no, those are the games we don't get the points from. Our battle is with everybody else. It started when Mick McCarthy did it for Wolves. I remember a game, I can't remember who they were playing. It might have been United, but he, he made 10 he made changes. Was it Old Trafford? He made, Was it Old Trafford? Yeah. yeah, and, and he, he made 10. game next week, I think. Ex- and and it, he more or less admitted, didn't he? Which yeah. is typical of Mick McCarthy. Cause he's I that, think he got charged know. by the FA as well, didn't he? I think for building yeah. a weaker team and... Whereas these days they wouldn't get charged for it, would they? No. You know, because the rules sort of have changed. But blunt speaking Yorkshireman stroke Irishman, yeah. Mick McCarthy, <laughs> says it as it is. And you just wonder the Swansea comes to City thinking, this is the no win game. We've got three games to go, or whatever it is after this. Those are the ones we've got to target. Oh, was City just brilliant? They were brilliant. I think it's, sorry for Stu gets involved, but uh, it's sort of testament to how good City are because. Swansea have beat Arsenal and they beat Liverpool since the turn of the year. So they, they obviously can go into these games and they, they know that they can win. But when they, were facing City, when they were facing City, they knew there's, there's only one way they can sort of approach it. It's just let City have the ball. It's interesting how Newcastle approached when that game back in December when they just sat back. Even yeah, Chelsea did. Chelsea did it, yeah. yeah. yeah and they just is... let City play because they knew the best they can do is damage limitations, maybe get a draw if they're lucky. But I think, it, I think the fact that Swansea have beaten Arsenal recently as well and when City comes to town, they just know... We're going to lose here. Let's try to keep it as, as low as possible. And 5-0 looks really comfortable for City, but if you had Aguero up top yesterday, mm. it could have been 7 or 8 probably. But 
Yeah, but point. you look at next season. If City start next season the way they played this season, you are going to get that team. Yeah. are just going to. You, you were talking about the top six being looked upon as no win games. I don't think so. I think it'll be a top one looked upon. Teams will look at City and think yeah. we're not going to get anything out of them. We, we might as well not bother. You know, you get that feeling with Swansea. You got the feeling. We spoke to the manager afterwards, and uh, one of his staff had handed him a little piece of paper on which he'd written down all the teams that City had scored four goals or more against this season. Now, whether that was to make him feel better, uh, losing five nil or what, I don't know. But he, he said, you know, he, he was looking at the, looking at. I think it was who City had scored four or more against, and it was like Napoli were on there, and Liverpool Tottenham. were on there, Tottenham yeah. were on there, and, you know. And it, it is getting to the point where teams are just thinking, well, there's no point. We, we know what they're going to do to us. Uh, so if we can just sit in and maybe lose one or two nil, that's the result. But you wouldn't do that. Teams won't do that going to Old Trafford. You know, you go to Old Trafford, you fancy a result. You know, you, if you're Swansea or Stoke or anybody, you'd West, fancy, Brom. West Brom, obviously, <laughs> yeah, you'd fancy going to Old Trafford and getting a result. I mean, when City have dropped points, you drop. I mean, that nil-nil at Crystal Palace is the first one that springs to mind for me because it ended the run. But when that happened, it was about City missing chances and City dropping the level a little bit. It wasn't about the other team coming out and, and negating what City do. It was about City's failings rather than... Yeah. The, the team sort of getting one up on them so I, I think if City start strongly next season there was a little feel I mean you're old enough, old enough to remember as I do Ian Liverpool had a spell when they were like that people just knew yeah. they weren't going to beat Liverpool and you just they just used to go and roll over you know they got to Anfield see that this is Anfield sign and pretty much give up um, it was like Liverpool, that at Old Trafford for a while wasn't yeah, it? yeah 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 it, it was I mean perhaps less so than Liverpool I think but but yeah, there's that that factor, that fear factor comes into it, and City have definitely got that. You know, they, they're just so difficult to play against that he, team teams are giving up before they've even started. I think also interesting them yesterday at Swansea, five different goal scorers, and this is without Aguero in the team again that I've mentioned, Sane on the bench, they're two of the, the leading scorers for City this season. So the goals are all across the pitch. They stereotypically say that's what the sign of champions is, but really shows just. The confidence and the commitment from every player in that squad, they're all so hungry to be involved with. Yeah. Edison funny. wants one now. He's, yeah. he's, <laughs> the fans want him to get the great. If he, I can't imagine Pep sort of. I can't like say, even if, they, if, they get, if they're 6 0 up and it's the last minute, I still can't imagine Pep saying, yeah, let Edison <laughs> take it. Because he likes to be so respectful to the opposition yeah. and to his own players. You know, He'll want one of his strikers to, 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 to do it to, yeah. for, for confidence, whatever. But it'd be great, wouldn't it? We'd all love to see Edison have a shot. I'd like, I'd like, I'd like seeing Ben win in the top corner from 30 yards or something. From a <laughs> Just to see him play outfield, so the season would be a nice novelty. Yeah, it? it's, it's, it's one it's of those dreams. Because he's taking the mick, isn't it? Whoever the opposition yeah, are, it's he's taking the mick. And they're all, you know, they're all, all pretty much in it, aren't they? You know, they're, they're all, they're, they've all got things to play for. So you can't, you know, if you're Huddersfield or Southampton, he's... He's struggling to uh, to stay up, and then they, they play Edison at left back. You know, wouldn't be happy, would you? Uh, Southampton could be down on the last day. That can't be the one time when you could justify it. If Southampton, well, isn't that rubbing the noses of it? Though? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is how bad you are, Southampton. We're playing our keeper at centre forward. We're still winning. <laughs> you know? no, I think the only way it would happen is if he took a penalty. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. five minutes to go at Southampton. They've they've got relegated the game before. City are winning 3-0 and you get a penalty, that's the time to give it to them, isn't it? Maybe. But, but Maybe. I, yeah, the disrespect thing. It's interesting the point you make, though, Rich, about the, the different goal scorers. Because you're going to, uh, I know, we know, obviously, we know what the topics are going to be in yeah. this podcast. And one of them is going to be um, Salah versus De Bruyne, yeah. etc. And, and because City are not dependent on any one player, and I know during the course of this season, I've had various debates with people talking about how crucial Fernandinho is. Um, obviously, when Aguero got injured, that could have been seen as a crucial one. There was the possibility that De Bruyne against Crystal Palace was going to be out for a while. Maybe Sane as well. But any, the point yeah. is, any individual that you talk about, you sort of go, could they do without him? And the truth is that as much as all these players are valuable and are great players, City have proven that it isn't about any individual, that they can actually cope without any individual. They've done without Mendy all season, whatever. Whereas, if you look at Tottenham and Kane, if you look at Liverpool and Salah, and you think if those two were missing 
for a, a period of time for for those two clubs, they, to me, they would be massively affected. So it's all right to laud a Salah and, 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 a, and a Kane mm. and say, great players, give them the trophy player of the year, which, of course, the strikers, so therefore they get all the headlines because it's all about goals. So I'm going off in a slight tangent here by saying that sometimes the creative players, sometimes the, the key defenders and the goalkeepers don't get the credit they deserve. But... Nevertheless, all the goals, not all, but a lot of the goals scored by Liverpool and by Tottenham are scored by Salah and Kane. City don't depend on it. You're right to highlight it, which is great because if you're the opponent, you don't just have one person that you have to prioritise to stop. And if you look at Kane's performances against City and then United in the semi-final of the FA Cup, he had very, very quiet games. Now, is that because he's off form? Some people suggest that he hasn't recovered from an ankle injury completely. Or is it just that the opponents look at him and go, if we stop Kane today, stop we stop Tottenham? Which is it? Yeah, well, I think what Pep Guardiola said earlier in the season, they called them the Harry Kane team, didn't they? Yeah, and, and that was a sly little dig, wasn't yeah. it? But it's become I'm not sure it was. I don't think he was having a go at Tottenham. I think he, I think he was just sort of labelling them, you know, as they've got this player who, who does great things, who scores goals for them and... You know, I don't think he was saying they're a one-man team. But Pochettino means. wouldn't have said our City, they're the Kevin De Bruyne team, as good as he is. Mm. They wouldn't, the, the, the other managers wouldn't say it like that, would they? Yeah, I think that's because City have so much abundance of talent, like you said, though. De Bruyne drops out the team, you've got Gundogan straight in there. Again, there's still six attacking players that you've got to be wary of that can get goals from anywhere, whereas Liverpool and Spurs are more sort of catered towards their star men. They play around them and play to their strengths all the time, whereas City have so many strengths that it's almost... Difficult to, like you said, to pinpoint that one man. This is what makes them a better yeah. team. Although, of course, the counter argument to that is that Barcelona have got Messi, yeah. Real Madrid have got Ronaldo. We all know that they're the two key players. Um, so, so I've just shot my own argument down, really. <laughs> I mean, that's been the beauty of City yeah. all season is that it hasn't been about scoring goals. You get the feeling that, the, I mean, Kevin De Bruyne's told us, and I, I didn't quite believe him when he first said it, but he said that he enjoys. Laying a goal yeah. on more than he does scoring one, and I thought, yeah, of course you do. <laughs> but since then, I, I think he does. I yeah. think he does. And when you're laying laying goals on, you know, like I mean, he doesn't even get an assist for this. Is the other thing you see people talk about? Oh, Salah's got so many goals and so many assists. Kevin De Bruyne made that first goal on yeah. on, on Sunday. You know, he, that ball with the outside of his foot, Sterling, was just just ridiculous. But it still didn't get the assist. Fair enough, because Sterling did very well, you know, uh, and Silva did well to finish it. But what you think, well, what happens? Why? Where does De Bruyne get the credit? Yeah. You know, he doesn't get a statistical credit. He gets a credit in, in every other way. But Salah just keeps, you know, he knocks one in from four yards and everyone says, well, what a player, that's <laughs> number 41. For... And I'm not knocking Salah. No, I think he's yeah. been absolutely phenomenal and I think he's a great player and I think he could get even better. Um, but... What De Bruyne does is deeper and it's more effective and it's more telling. And it's been more telling on the course of the season. You know, you look at the season as a whole. Kevin De Bruyne has been the driving force behind this Manchester City team that has swept all before it and has been far and away the best team in, in that league. And yet Mo Salah as an individual, and I get it, it's an individual award, but like you say, he stands out because he's he is the best player in that team yeah. by some some distance. Whereas De Bruyne isn't. Yeah. You know, for me, De Bruyne might not even get City's Player of the Year, <laughs> which be, you know he could, he should have won the PFA Player of the Year. But if he didn't win City's Player of the Year, you wouldn't be surprised, and you won't get people arguing with no, it either. You know, it's, it's, it's ludicrous. I think it's interesting what you said about De Bruyne them not always getting the credit he does. I think it's something that's sort of done David Silver just service over the last few years as well as just how he almost every attack comes through him at some point, but because he doesn't get the direct assist, his numbers don't always tally up to someone like maybe Mesut Ozil or someone. Well, yeah, yeah, I saw it. Yeah. At his peak, I always used to say, yeah. it, you, you absolutely bang on to, to illustrate that goal. Uh, the silver goal by saying De Bruyne was the pass before the assist. And I've always said that Yaya Toure, for all that he's remembered for the, 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 you know, the absolute blistering runs from one of the other pitch and welling them in, that's not what I, as much as those are, those are fantastic, that's not what I remember him for. 
Yesterday, he, he created that fantastic goal for Gabriel Jesus with that floated ball out that not many players could have done. Mm-hmm. And that was an assist, because that will go down statistically as an assist. But how many times have, have we seen, and certainly I appreciate it, that pass of, of Yaya's being the De Bruyne pass, the 1-2 before the end result, yeah, yeah. the defence splitter. You know, and that, that to me is something that is completely underestimated. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and you know, and he, he still got it actually. Yeah, yeah. He's just doing it at walking pace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was he was top class when he came in on Sunday. He, he just rolled back the years, didn't he? Really, he was. It was great to see. Also, interesting what you said before. Um, we've sort of moved on to this De Bruyne style debate now, haven't we? There's it's a elephant in the room, maybe. Um, but interesting. Um, De Bruyne scored the ro- such a good goal against. Swansea, um, his fifth from outside the box this season. He's the first player to score five from outside the box this season. Again, sort of indicating that most of Salas have come within the box, which I haven't really realised. I thought he had scored six or seven or so from outside the box in the league, that is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, De Bruyne this season, like you said, maybe not City's best player, but clear indication for you both that he <laughs> was the, he maybe should have won the, the award. Isn't it a weird that, that, that and, and I do agree with you Stuart, that he might not be City's best player, it's a debate to yeah. be had, but, but surely by definition, if you're going to be nominated, yeah, then, then that must mean that you are City's <laughs> best player, you know, in, in the eyes of other people I mean, there's the, I, 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 how do you square that circle? I agree I mean, I, I think David Silva is a real contender yeah. to be City's player of the year, mm. I think I, he makes yeah. such a fantastic pl- uh, difference um, I'm throwing Fernandinho in. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't who didn't even Fernandinho make the PFA there. team of the year. Yeah. I'm thinking, what the, these what footballers? This is meant to be their trade. What are they watching? What are they watching? If they think Christian Christian Eriksen's a great player, oh, he's brilliant. a fine, fine player, and I, I, I love him to bits. But if if you're a Premier League manager and you get offered Fernandinho for a season, or you get Eriksen for a season, I, I wrote this this week. I said that you know. 15 or 16 out of the 20 Premier League managers would pick Fernandinho and the other four deserve sacking <laughs> because he's just he's just a complete all-round player yeah. you know Ericsson's great at, at, you know he's a great passer and we, we saw it he played really well against United in the semi-final uh, he's a great passer and everything goes through him but Fernandinho does that as well plus two or three other traits in, in his you know two other three strengths in his locker that Ericsson hasn't got and he's been so important. We're talking about De Bruyne and Silva, quite rightly, but Fernandinho has been the third part of that. And he's been every bit as important this season as De Bruyne and Silva. But, like we say, he doesn't get the assists. He doesn't get. He doesn't even get the second or third pass or whatever. But everything goes through him. He stepped into that Yaya role. And he, for me, he does it better than Yaya. He doesn't do what Yaya did in terms of winning big games and, like you say, storming forward and putting in the top. He, does, he has done that. He has scored some, a couple of great goals this season. Um, but in terms of everything going through and being the heartbeat of the team, the one who gives it the rhythm uh, and the fluency that it has, Fernandinho has, has been absolutely top class. I think he's been superb. For him not to be in the PFA team of the year is scandalous. I wouldn't disagree with you. Um, I think the three of them, De Bruyne, Silva and Fernandinho, I find almost impossible to split. Um, the only thing I would say was I think Christian Eriksen personally is Tottenham's best player. I think he's better than Kane, he's better than Ali, even though they get all the plaudits. To me, he is the heartbeat of yeah. the, the Tottenham Hotspur side. I would have him in a heartbeat at City. He's still young enough to be you know, to be a player who's got a future ahead of him. I think he's in his mid-20s. He's got 26 or 27. Yeah, so he's perfect, perfect um, um, sort of age for that. Um, I would have found, if I'd have been picking the PFA team of the year, a place for Ericsson and Fernandinho. That's the only place I would disagree with you. I wouldn't pick one or the other. I'd, I'd have left somebody else out instead. Because Ericsson, I just love him to bits. Right. It's right. interesting what you said there as well, um, that in terms of the team, the Aguero got in in front of some, some of City's other attackers. And that... Um, it's great to see Leroy Sane win Young Player of the Year. But lots of City fans are saying maybe Raheem Sterling has had a better season. Oh, than Sane. Sane for me. I mean, Sterling had a great game um, yesterday. Uh, I think that's his, the best game I've seen him play for City. Honestly, I thought his movement, his link-up play, his flicks, his awareness—really, really good. He's, he's a player who's, who's improving. Um, you can see it week by week. Whether that's all down to confidence, whether it's down to Pep Guardiola, I don't know. But I can see. The improvement and the, the development. We have a mutual friend, Stuart and I, who's 
not the biggest of uh, Raheem Sterling fans um, himself. And I, and I wonder whether he will now change his mind, knowing him as I do. No, he won't. He won't, no. <laughs> but, but I can see I can see a huge improvement in, in Raheem Sterling. But I still think that Sane, even though both players, Sterling and Sane, have levels of inconsistency due to perhaps their age, I still think Sane has been the one I would have picked out um, for that award. So I'd agree with that award. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything to choose between them. They're so, so different in the way they go at the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, as somebody who used to play full-back in junior football, uh, I always look at wingers and I always sort of think, which kind of winger would I rather play against? And I think Sterling would have been my worst nightmare because he, it's the old thing about nobody knows what he's going to do. He's, yeah. he's not, I haven't got a clue what he's With Sane, you, you can predict it. Yeah, you can predict point, it to man. an extent. You can't stop it, stop yeah. it but you, can, you, <laughs> you know, know what he's going you know to yeah. do. And you, you can sort of do something about it to an extent. But Sterling's just just sort of, I think haphazard was the word, wasn't it? I've, I've sort of used this, this season frequently about Sterling. He's, he's just sort of helter-skelter. He's all over the place. And you don't, is he going left? Is he going right? Is he going to miscontrol it? Is he going to slice it into the crowd? Is he going to put it in the top corner? And he, you know, it's, I love it. I love watching players like that because it's like he's sort of teetering on the brink of being out yeah. of control. And <laughs> and when it goes wrong, he looks terrible because he'll shin one. He'll shin one. You know, like he did at Burnley, where he, he sort of sliced yeah, it wide from the yard out. But then he'll do what he what he did ball, yeah. did against was it Southampton? Yeah, where he killed it to the top corner. You know, so. That unpredictability is, is just brilliant, and it, it's one of the things that you love about football. And Sterling is an embodiment of that. But like you say, I, I can I see you can see the rough edges getting knocked off him, and he's getting more and more. Un, there's more and more control about what he's doing, and more he's getting more predictable, if you like, but in a good way. In that you you know he's getting more predictable that he is going to get the shot on target, he is going to get the cross right, he is going to pick the right pass, and that kind of thing, and. Uh, you know, if he's improving like that, Sane's improving. This is this is what's frightening. This this city team are young and they are still improving. Jesus is another one. They're getting better. Edison's getting better. They're getting better and better. You think, well, if they're getting better, where are they going to be? <laughs> you know, obviously the, the the other side of that is that Silva's going to be a year older, uh, so they start losing him, and Aguero's going to be a year older. Um, but when you've got Bernardo Silva coming through and the way he's playing at the moment, you think and Phil Foden, yeah. 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 And they're going, they're going to add to the squad, obviously, yeah. in the summer as well. So. Interesting what you say there as well. It, going into the summer, which young player would want to sign for City now as well? When you've seen just how far they've developed under Pep Guardiola, how how much trust he has in his squad as well. Um, interesting couple of points you made there as well about the ageing squad. Um, I guess the game against Swansea did give us a chance to see some of the, the youngsters come through. We saw Jesus up front, who had a he had a difficult game, missed a couple of chances, missed the penalty. He did score a really good header towards the end. Um, I was saying, um, I was working with Simon Baikowski. But Baikowski, we call him? <laughs> That's not what I call him. No, you call him. We don't want to use that beat, <laughs> the beat machine again. But um, we, I was saying, um, if you had Aguero up against Swansea, he might have got a hat-trick for, with the chances that Jesus missed. Um, what do you think of Drew? Well, you, Jesus, are you, we call him? Sorry. Jesus. I know, I know he's yeah. in I pronounce it wrong. But his, his season... I mean, he's got he's got a lot of goals, but glass half full or well, I'm, my glass is half full definitely because he's a he's a talent, and he, you don't get into Brazil's team as, as the lead striker, and Brazil are the favourites for the World Cup. I know that, that that tag might not fit them in the end, but that's where we stand at the moment. And you don't get into that team. You're not in actually. You don't get into City's team at the moment yeah. without being brilliant. And we all you know obviously can see that that Pep knows what he's doing. He's still got a few rough edges to go. Um, you know, a year ago, Raheem Sterling, I wasn't as sure as I am now. So, may, although I'm not sure about Gabriel Jesus at the moment, maybe in another year yeah. on from now, I will be. And I'll be saying, well, you know, shows what I know. I'm not saying he's terrible by any means. He's, he's a very good player. His, his movement and his hard, hard work, but he still needs to learn to finish. That, that's the thing that seems to be missing from his game. But I can see City, I mean, one of the rumours that started recently has been um, Kylian Mbappe coming in in the summer because he, he's obviously spent a season on loan from Monaco to Paris Saint-Germain. Um, they're going to have to pay that enormous fee very soon. 
and I don't know how true it is, you guys probably know better than me because I'm not a, you know, working in that side of journalism at the moment, you know, but the rumours seem to be that uh, there might be a problem with Paris Saint-Germain laying that money out and that maybe City could be one of the teams that could come in and they were interested in him before he went to Paris Saint-Germain. He's absolutely the right age. Um, he obviously has two former teammates at City in, uh, in Mendy and, uh, and Bernardo Silva. Um, it feels as if he might be a bit of a Pep Guardiola player, a player that can be moulded. Um, so I wonder if that might be something that will happen, but I mean, that's just me wildly speculating, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's wildly speculating. There's, there's nothing to suggest. I mean, the deal is done. Um, PSG. Yeah. It's just whether they, they you know, UEFA are looking at them for financial fair play. If they fall foul of that, they might be up in the air again. But uh, I don't think City will be putting any any eggs in that particular basket. Uh, just going back to Jesus, I just feel with him, he's a young player. Everything has gone his way since since he stepped into the first team at Palmeiras. He started scoring goals. Everyone was raving about him. Uh, he was the main man as Palmeiras won the, the Brazilian title. He was a big hero to their fans. He then goes into the Brazil number 23 team and an Olympic gold medal on his own, yeah. own patch. He's big pals with Neymar. Everything's going great. He steps into the Brazil senior team, scores scores goals. He's got, he's got about eight goals in 10 games or something yeah, like that. Record. You know, everything was going right for him. Then he came to City, had a brilliant start at City. Everyone was raving about him. Wow, City have found another huge talent here. Um, and then he uh, he gets injured. And he's out of the team. And then he, he comes back at the end of the season, again does well, into the next season, injured again. And he's having setbacks. You know, these are setbacks. He, he, he didn't play very well at the start of the season. Uh, then he got the injury. He, and he's, he's not reacted particularly well to the setbacks. And I just think that's what it is. Mm. He's, he's finally re- learning that in football there's another side to it. Things, things that it's not all cake and... And wine and roses, you know, it's uh, there is a side to uh, notice. I'll put cake first in there. Yeah, which is something <laughs> we, we enjoy a lot on the away trips. Yes, yes. Um, so you know, suddenly he's been knocked back, and he's had to he's had to start again, if you like, and, and come good. And he's got to prove he's he's fit to be in the team. And I think that's what he's doing. I think you get that with young players. Every, every young player plateaus at some point. You don't get a young player who just hits a, an upward curve and just keeps going. You know, they'll have a plateau and that's when they learn. That's when they'll learn more than, you know, and Pep, Pep knows that and he'll be taking him to one side and, and having a word in his ear. And I don't think he's been that bad. I mean, the fact that he's carried on scoring goals tells you something. Uh, and I thought he I thought he did all right yesterday. Uh, I thought some of, some of his movement and some of his touches and his, his sort of link-up play was good. He scored a good goal. It's a shame that the penalty didn't go in, uh, but, but there you have it. You know, Maguero misses penalties as well, doesn't he? Um, but I, I, I think he's, I think he's a top talent, and I, he's got rough edges, as we say. We, uh, we were talking about with Sterling and Sane. Uh, if he does not lose rough edges off, I think he'll be a, a supreme international star. Yeah, it's interesting as well uh, what you said there about how he drifts out wide, finds his pockets of space, brings others into the game. He's more than just a goal-scoring threat like Aguero is. Aguero is just a goal-scorer by trade, whereas Jesus is maybe a new sort of generation of striker that does a bit more than just score goals. Not as lethal in front of goal, but... Well, well he's forced Aguero to do yeah. that as well. Aguero does a lot more it's of that It's a good now. competition they've got between um, each other, isn't it, really? Healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pe- Pepper's pretty much said to, said to Aguero, look, what he's doing is this 19-year-old kid who's just taking your place. You need to do them more of that. And Aguero's risen to the challenge, to be fair to him. And he's, he's become that player yeah. who... Who, who drops deep and picks the ball up and, and plays people in as well? So yeah, I mean he's he's sort of he's had that effect on Aguero, and uh, you know the pair of them are, are rubbing off on each other, and that's great to see. Another player who featured a youngster, um, Phil Foden, came off the bench. I knew in earlier podcasts, Jesus, uh, you've said you, you you want to see the best from him, but you're still not exactly sure how good he's going to be. Um, you. Encouraged by his performance. There were a couple of little moments in the game. I mean, it was only 15 minutes yeah. or so. There was one little run that he did and that cross to the back post that was just top class. Um, there's no doubt he's got energy and he's got, um, you know, he's got commitment and, and you know, he, he looks looks as if he's not overawed by it. Um, but you've got to see him play in games and influence games. And sometimes it feels to me as if he's, he's coming on and, and holding his own 
but it, he's not actually changing the game mm. or influencing the game. Now that was an exception. That that and if we see more of that type of thing in games as we go along, then yeah. I'll absolutely be convinced because he was he was top quality. Um, maybe maybe he needs to score a goal somewhere that takes him to another level. Um, still seems physically very small, but then. <laughs> You know, Lionel Messi's pretty small, isn't he? <laughs> maybe, maybe it's not so much the height, it's just the sort of bulkiness, bulky, bulking yeah. up a bit. Of, maybe yeah, he spends yeah. the summer on the weights or something. And, um, but he is only 17 as well. Yeah, he's, he's a God, what, what, I wish, what you know, talent that is. Yeah, 17-year-old, wow, I wish I was Playing for the again. Premier League champions. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I know now yeah. anyway. And I guess <laughs> what you say then, maybe he'd benefit from starting a game in Foden rather than coming on when the game's already won and you're playing against opponents who are just sort of I'm sure back. he will. I mean, yeah. I, I'm still, what, what's his position? I mean, I'm not completely convinced of where he's going to play. Some people have said he's the new David Silva. Yeah, I think, I think that's, his, that's yeah. his role. I mean, it's the hardest role on the pitch. I mean, Silva makes it look easy, but it's, it's the hardest position at City. You know, De Bruyne has got the got the advantage uh, that he, he gets the ball in space nearly all the time. He's driving forward. He's the man who get, picks the ball up and, and drives it forward in, into space that's already there. Silva nearly always gets the ball in with players around him. And that's, that's to deal with it. And that's what. And, we, and the fact that we saw Foden doing that, he's happy to do that. He's always done that since being a kid. You know, he's quite happy to get on the ball. He trusts himself. Uh, it was interesting. I've, I've just been writing a piece about it now that on Match of the Day, um, Kevin Kilban and Julian Lescott talking about him. And they said exactly that. The, the thing that impresses them is the fact that his teammates trust him to have mm. the ball. They'll give him the ball in the same positions as they'll give David Silva the ball. They know David Silva will not like, will not lose that ball, and they trust Phil Foden to do the same. Yaya, in particular, they've got a bit of an understanding. You going all the way back to the the first time they played, if you remember, out in in Houston when United played City in that pre-season friendly, and everyone was raving about Foden. It was Yaya who was looking for him all the time. He was pinging little balls into him, and he was turning there's one particular turn away from Herrera, um, and. The fact that his teammates trust him like that shows he's, he's doing it in training as well, you know, and they know, yeah, we can give it him there. He's not a problem. We know he's good enough to deal with this. And he's not always going to come off, but he, that's when his mentality comes in. If he's strong enough mentally to think, oh, well, it didn't come off that time, but it will next time. And I think I think we saw signs yesterday that he's, he's at that point, you know, because his recent performances, he's come on and he's tried things and they haven't worked. But he's carried on trying them, and yesterday they did come off for him a little bit, and that's that's where you start to grow. I think that's what you now he's thinking. Yeah, it didn't come off for me before, but this time it did. So next time, I'll, I'll, if I do it this way, and that that's 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 progression. That's a progression, and he, you know, it's not. It's still not easy. He's still not made it by a long, long shot, but he's getting there. There's still four games to go. I'm, I'm sure what you're saying, Rich, about him starting games will happen, don't yeah. you think, in one yeah. of these, yeah, these four games? And uh, not, and I'm I'm a bit of a fan of uh, Brahim Diaz as well, so yeah. I'd like to see him get a, you know some some time on the ball, maybe even start a game as well, yeah. just to see what he can do over a, a longer period and in the team. Because you, what you don't want is City have gone pre-season, and and by definition because of the timing of the pre-season trip this year, most of the first-team players won't be there. So you'll see a, t- a makeshift team in the nicest possible way. And if Foden and Diaz are playing in that, how do you really judge them? Mm. Because they're different types of games. Whereas these, I know City's um, title race is over, so in, in theory, the last four games from a City perspective are friendly. So, you know, the, the, non, the non-Jeopardy games. But still... Their opposition, thankfully, have got something to fight for. So they are games that, that still Matter, have an edge yeah. to them. And so if if these two players can be integrated into nine other, what you call, regular first-team players, and maybe as it gets nearer to the end, De Bruyne and the rest who are going to go to the World Cup will start saying to Pep, you know, come on, got World Cup coming up here. Just, you know, can I just uh, play, you know, as... as I suppose De Bruyne did it actually in that game against Swansea. He played about an hour, didn't he? You know, but whether it be he comes on for half an hour, De Bruyne, or he plays for an hour, either way, I'd love to see those two getting more proper game time in so-called competitive games with good quality players around them and not a makeshift team. Uh, because, I mean, Foden started the game at Shakhtar the Nets, didn't he? Yeah. 
Uh, left wing back. Yeah. Well, yeah, first of all, he was out of position. And secondly, it was absolutely a dead rubber. City could only finish top of the group. So, and, so. and you know, the, the game, I mean, I was there and the game just didn't feel like a normal game. And I want to see, I want to see a proper normal game yeah. with with players playing in it that, that um, then, then we can start to, to make a judgment. Interesting as well, in these last four games, we expect to see more from Benjamin Mendy. He made his long-awaited return. It's fantastic to see. Probably one of the, probably the loudest reception of the whole day. There was standing ovation from everyone in the stadium as he came on to replace Fabian Delph. What did you make of Mendy's performance? I know it was difficult to say. There was a few loose touches, but he looked fit and healthy and raring to go. Yeah, I think people people were people behind me were saying, and what were they oh, expecting? everyone's roaring for him coming out. Look at him, he's useless, he's been rubbish. You think he's been out for seven months. His touch is not going to be right. You know, to judge him on... And not only that, shortly after that, he then put in two really great really crosses, good. which is like a big part of his game. But, you know, it's just about... The reason he put him on for the final 15 minutes is because City had won the game and they wanted to give him some minutes on the park and that's how you get your touch back and that's how you get back up to speed. Um, so that's what it was all about. I mean, I must say that I thought... It was a great old, great reception for him and a great ovation. But part of that, I thought, was an appreciation of Fabian Delph as well. Yeah. Because I thought Delph was outstanding. Uh, I thought he was. He's, he's and really come on. He has been all season as that. well. I think he, he has been all season. I think he's got better, but I thought yesterday was was one of his best games mm. as well. Um, I mean, I I spoke to Mendy after the game, and uh, I asked him about that. I said, you know, what about getting your place back? And he started laughing. He said, Yeah, I think I think Fabian's going <laughs> to take my place. I might not. I might not get it back again. And he uh, he was only half joking. Yeah. I think he was only half joking because for me, you know, Delph. Delph is now being talked about as a left back, even though he, for me, he could still do a job in midfield. He's, he's good enough on the ball, but he, he's made such a success of that position that uh, you know I think he's real competition. He's not just a standing, mm. and I don't think he'd be happy being a standing. I think that, that Delph is now competition for Mendy, and he gives something different because he, you know, Mendy Mendy's all about Bombing getting up and down, and... The, up and down that left wing. But if, if Pep wants a, a left back who cuts inside and, and, and causes a, an overload in midfield and uh, and he's able to play you know that's why Delta has been such a success in a lot of ways because he, he is a natural midfielder when he goes inside it's natural you know we saw last season Zabaleta and Clichy doing it and Zabaleta is a very clever footballer but it wasn't natural to them you know it's something they've never done before in yeah. their career whereas Delph is being asked to do something he's being asked to move into a position where he feels completely comfortable because he's played there all his career. So he's just isn't he's, he's become another option. I don't even think he's he's deputy to Mendy anymore. I think he's there are two now two left backs at Manchester City. Whether he's happy about that, we've not had a chance to speak to him properly about it. Um but I, that that's something I'm gonna try and do before the end of the season, just just collar Fabian and say, look, you know, how do you feel about this? Because <laughs> he, he for me if I was England manager, I'd play him at left back. It, it'd be different playing for England because England are going to be on the, the back foot, and it, it, that's different. It's different being left back in a team that's having to defend. City are on the front foot all the time, so it's a different, it's a totally different role. But you know, from what I've seen, Delph is as good as any left back in the Premier League. Yeah, you think think back to those big games. Well, like, I mean, that pivotal win at Stamford Bridge early in the season is when Delph, I think, made his first start at left back. And he, so good in that game, he really mm. controlled the whole manner. That was a pivotal win in City's eventual title success. Um, another player who starred yesterday off the bench, we've mentioned him before, Yaya. Fantastic to watch him doing that. He rolled back the years. Um, that assist was beautiful for Gabriel Jesus. Um, four games left maybe for City fans to appreciate the talent they've got. The legend, Yaya Torre, where does he rank among City's greatest ever players. Well, first of all, I'd, have, I'd say, and I'm sure City will get this absolutely right because yeah. these days they, they get more right than they get wrong and they gave Zabaleta a, a really great nice send-off. Time. The Brighton game, obviously the Huddersfield game, which is the next one, is going to be the trophy presentation. The Brighton game, to me, has to be a celebration of Yaya Torre and um, I know that Pep will want to pick his strongest team and then it would be disrespectful and Brighton have still got stuff to play for, but I'd love to think that Yaya Torre will actually start that game against Brighton and that, that will be his final home game in front of the City fans. I don't, I don't expect him to carry on beyond this season. Um, as far as I'm concerned, Yaya's right up there with any player that's ever played for the club. I grew up as a Colin Bell fan. 
I'm always going to be a Colin Bell fan. There were other players in that era that were magnificent as well. Mike Doyle, Francis Lee, Mike Summerby, Alan Oaks. I could virtually go through the whole team, Glyn Pardo, and they were just magnificent. Tony Buck, just <laughs> magnificent players. Nearly did go through the whole team, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, um, and, and there have been great players in between that, that, um, that I've idolised and the fans have idolised and just loved watching. But in this modern era... Yaya to me represents the the change from being City of old and City now. And what it, it, he was, even though a lot of people talk about Rubinho as being the statement signing when the shake came in, to me Yaya Toure was the 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 signing of him was the moment that you knew City had really arrived. Yeah. He was a serious signing. He wasn't a you know statement signing he was a serious signing no he he wasn't and and he's just a magnificent footballer and it seems that despite the fact that he's had a lot of bad publicity and and some there are some sections of City fans who perhaps have had their judgment of him slightly affected by his his agents despite all that cake business and all that rubbish the fact is that Yaya Toure himself has always said and done in my opinion anyway, the right things. Mm. And what he's done on the pitch has always been right. He has been a big game player. And yet, he's never been, um, look at me, look at me, look at me. He's always been a team player. I always get the feeling that the other players within the team hold massive respect for him. We talked about Phil Thornton before. I suspect that there's a lot of behind-the-scenes mentoring done by somebody like Yaya Toure towards somebody like Phil Thornton. And perhaps we saw it on the pitch in that game at Houston last year where he's basically given the opportunity to say, come on, I I think you're good, I'm supporting you, I'm giving you the ball, take it, break, take your confidence from me. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I just... Yes, we, we can we can argue about David Silva, we can about Aguero, you know, and, and others now. De Bruyne, obviously, okay. you know, who is the key player? Who is the iconic player of this generation? And thank goodness, it's a bit like. I mean, I'm. I know it's not cool to say this, but I'm a big ABBA fan. What is my favourite ABBA record? Well, one day it might be that, another day it might be that. They used to say it about the Beatles. You know, yeah. the, the way you judge the Beatles has been so great is because everybody has a different favourite song. This team, this era, is so great because it has so many now of these great players. So we can sit and argue till we're blue in the face, and people might might pick different players out. But Yaya Toure, to me symbolises everything about the modern era of City. It's just such a shame that in the last couple of years he's just lost that yard or two of pace and that explosive charge that caught everybody's eyes so much. But to me, he is just um, you know, an absolutely magnificent footballer. So I want the club to give him a good send-off. I want the fans to give him a good send-off. I love the fact that the fans sing that Yaya Torre yeah. song. I'm not talking about the Yaya Colo one. No, the they're paying more money, you know, that one. Um, because it lifts everybody. When he was playing yesterday, they were all singing it in the crowd. And uh, I'm, I'm lucky enough to possess a Yaya match-worn shirt, which is one of the most prized possessions in my collection. And, uh, and I, I just think he's, he's just a phenomenal uh, player. And, he, and I know people as well who... There's, there's a lad in the crowd who I talk to quite a lot who goes to the um, the mosque where he goes to and he says that he's an absolutely really humble, you know, modest, lovely fella. That's the side we never see. And I believe him. I believe that that is Yaya's whole attitude. And whenever I've talked to either him in the past or Colo, and obviously the brothers... I've always got the right, you know, fantastic vibe from them yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd go along with it. I mean, I've, I've spoken to Yaya many times down the years. He doesn't do it now, but I always used to get a big bear hug from him. And, he, you know, high fives and everything. And he, he's, he's just a big, ambling, amiable bear off the field, isn't he? You know, he's he always he's always smiling and, you know, he just, just looks like he's going for a stroll. He looks like that on the pitch half yeah. the time. He's like he's so easy, having he? a country stroll, but then, then he'll do something phenomenal. I, th- I think the best way I've ever heard it put was by a City fan who, uh, when 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 we played at Bournemouth, when City played at Bournemouth last season, uh, and I was down there, and after the game we were staying over, and I went for a drink, and I, I met him. he's like a mutual, he's a friend of a friend, uh, and I was having a drink with him in the bar, and he he said that Yaya Toure is the greatest City player 
in, in, in the club's history as far as he's concerned. But David Silva is the best player. And I thought that was a perfect way of putting it. Yeah. You know, David Silva, because of the consistency he brings, but Yaya is the one who, in the big moments, has stepped forward and produced. You know, he's come up with something. And I, I, I think that, that sums him up. Um, I think the club is going to be um, poorer for his going. And talking about, I mean, the fans who talk about his agent, Sully, and you've got to remember that, yeah, I mean, even that is, is, a, is a strange situation because I've spoken to people who are quite close to Yaya. And the reason he's stuck by that agent is because when he was a kid, he moved. You've got to think this is a lad coming out of Africa and going coming to Europe. Uh, he doesn't know anybody. Uh, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, is he being exploited? Is he whatever? He ended up at Mechler Donetsk, um, and Dmitry Selak was, I think, he was a director or he was a club official of some kind. And Dmitry Selak took this. I think he was about nineteen, yeah, at the time. He took him under his wing. He invited him to his family home. He, he was feeding him. He was looking after him. Now, whatever you, you think his, mo- his motivation might have been, th- he might have been thinking, this lad's going to be great and I'll, I'll, I'll get my hooks into him. But whatever the motivation, if you're a 19-year-old boy and you're a long way from home and you don't know anybody and it's freezing cold and you don't know, you know, and somebody is, is not, looks after you in that manner, well, if, if you're from the kind of culture that Yaya's from, you don't forget that. And that's what that's that's the way it's been portrayed to me that Yaya has always remembered the way Dimitri Selak treated him in those early days and looked after him. He took him on as his agent, and we all know that he, as an agent, he's a complete car crash. You know, he's he's dropped Yaya in it so many times. Um, but I've also spoken to people at City about it. I mean, I'm talking about right at the top. Um, I spoke to the chairman. I spoke to the chief executive about that relationship and they always laugh it off and they say they see they've always seen Yaya and his agent as two separate entities and dealing with the agent is a complete nightmare because you know we know what he is but dealing with Yaya is different again he's so professional he's so polite and courteous you know he's, he's he doesn't go around moaning about not getting birthday cakes that's just something that Salah came up with they say if you watch him in training he's always at the front of the runs he trains harder than anybody else. I mean, I don't know if that's still the case now, uh, but this this is going back like 18 months, two years ago. He was still training harder than everybody else. And they said, we see them as two separate entities, you know, and perhaps that's the way the fans should see it. He's got an agent, but I've, I've gone over the reasons why he's so loyal to that agent. And the fans are saying, he should get rid of him, but there are good reasons why he hasn't got rid of him. And for me, that says a lot about Yaya's character, the fact that he, he's loyal. He's loyal. Um, loyal to somebody who perhaps at times has, uh, didn't deserve that loyalty but nevertheless in his head this is someone who looked after him and there we have it and if, if you divorce the two and you just look at Yaya I mean the, the man that I've known and the footballer I've been watching absolutely legendary and a, a good man a great footballer and like you say he needs to have a proper send off and I hope City do get it right yeah, it's a, oh, it's a good point to end on, but there is one more point, and it would be nice for him, well, it would seem as much as we can before the end of the season, we've got that chance on Sunday against West Ham, the London Stadium, would be a nice trip to London for you both, I'm sure. Um, the team selection, more of the same from Pep Guardiola, the strongest 11 possible of youngsters off the bench, do you think? I think he owes it to uh, the other teams that are in this relegation fight to suddenly not do, st- when I say stupid things... I certainly don't mean that disrespectfully, but to suddenly do wholesale changes. If City were playing, uh, I don't know, even if they were playing West Brom, ironically, who were effectively down, you could justify it a little bit more. Um, But the the playing teams are right in the thick of it, which I'm really glad about, actually, because you know I love watching football matches. I'm going to be going all the way to West Ham. I'm going to be all the way to Southampton. I don't want to see meaningless uh, games. I'd much rather watch a, a proper game. So... Yeah, put yourself in the, the other way around. If you were, a, if you were a, a you know a, a Crystal Palace fan and you saw City putting out a weak team against West Ham, you'd be furious. So put out a strong team. Yes, there might be room for um, Foden to start or Diaz to start, or certainly for the two of them to have another half hour each. Um, but I wouldn't just make wholesale changes and you know suddenly. 
And again, this sounds disrespectful to him, but you know, if you suddenly started picking Bravo for two or three games and you started to, 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 to make these wholesale changes, that's when I'd feel a bit uncomfortable. And anyway, all these records are there to be broken. Yeah. You know, and City so fans close. keep saying to me, oh, we want to win all these, you know, we want to get 100 points, we want to, you know, get the most, most wins in a season, most, most away scores. wins in a season. Well, yeah, great, go for it. And then, then it's even harder to get those targets next year. And you know what Pep's like? I want to beat whatever we do this year, next year. Great, get 100 points and let's see you beat that next year. <laughs> Perfect, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think they will keep playing strong teams because if, if you're those players, if you, you come off the field yesterday and you want more, you want to go out and do that again, you know, you get to next Friday, Saturday, you'll be champing at the bit. I want to get out there and do that again because it's... You know, it's great, isn't it? I, I play I play yeah. football at a much lower level, but when you when you've had a good game, you can't wait for the next game, can you? You know, it's not like you're thinking, oh, I've got to play again next Sunday. You know, no, you know, you, you want to get out and and do it all over again. And they've only got, they, I mean, they've got Brighton midweek, but it's, it's one game a week now till the end of the season. So just just keep keep playing. And obviously, you, you make little tweaks. Like I think Sane should come in. Yeah. And maybe like Danilo started over Walker, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring Walker back in. You know, yeah. uh, maybe. But there are players who need games. I mean, Jesus is, is a good case in point. Bernardo Silva hasn't played all season. I don't think it'll harm him to to, to get a few games together. What was it? Uh, with Gund- yesterday, by the way, was he injured? Or... Yeah, he's injured. Yeah, right. yeah. He's, is, he's is he likely? Is he? Could he be available next? <laughs> I don't know until until we, we speak to Pep later in the week. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll find out. Yeah, yeah Fernandinho will come back in presumably. Fernandinho, yeah. Well, he's he's been suspended for two games, so it's only fair he, he comes back in. But he's a player who has needed rest at this time of the season in the past, and I, I think it'd be worth. I, I suspect that Pep will sit down with Fernandinho and say, "How are you feeling?" Because you've got the World Cup coming up. If you wanna, if you wanna just be used sparingly in these last few games. But Fernandinho will have been sitting in the stand on Sunday thinking, "Oh, look at the way they're playing! I, I want to be, I want to be out there! I want to be out there!" So, you know, why not just go out and let them play? Let them play and just show the Premier League that they can do it. And, and if they do that and, and break all these records, well, even better. Yeah, sounds like it. Can't wait. Can't wait to get in the car. It's going to West Ham. <laughs> He'll be shooting off soon. Um, <laughs> before you know it, so four games left for City to break that points record to end the season on that high. Maybe even that perfect farewell for Yaya Torre. Yeah, we shall see this time next week when you come back from that long trip to London. <laughs> Just how exciting it was. Another win, maybe for City, and they're not done yet, which is the exciting thing. The Premier League champions hungry for more. Thank you very much, chaps, for joining us again today. Pleasure. I trust you'll both be back next week. Yes, possibly. Don't <laughs> <laughs> sound very confident no. about it, Stuart. I'll be back. I'll be back. You can promise. You yeah, can guarantee I'll, I'll be. Well, well, you know, as long as I don't get knocked down by a bus, but I'll be back. That's why I like to hear. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ian. Thank you very much, Stu. Cheers. Make sure to subscribe to Talking City on iTunes and Audioboo. And we'll be back next week to discuss all the talking points about the Premier League champions.